Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Tuesday, August 8th. Hashtag chosen. Today's scripture reading, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, from the message translation, which reads, How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything that we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ's long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This down payment for God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. This is God's Word. As kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim and roundy well stones ring, like each tuck string tells, each hung bell's bow swung, finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same, deals out that being, indoors each one dwells, selves goes itself, myself it speaks and spells, crying, what I do is me, for that I came. I say more. The just man justices keeps grace that keeps all his goings, graces, acts in God's eyes what in God's eyes he is, Christ. For Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. So read the words of Gerard Manley Hopkins, another of my favorite pieces of secular poetry that I've put to memory. Curious that I've been drawn over the years to memorize so many different pieces of poetry expounding and elaborating upon our identity. What I especially love about this one is how each item that seizes his imagination as he writes sounds off according to its inner nature and reality. From the brilliant glories reflecting from kingfishers and dragonflies to the clattering of that stone as it tumbles over rim in that roundy well, no stone making quite the same sound as the next one, to the bell's tongue causing it to chime in accordance to its nature and constitution, to each of us 
mortal things, dealing out that being indoors each one dwells. What I do is me, and for that I came. This really isn't a self-absorbed obsession with me and mine and my own, my self-actualization, me, me, me. No, it's Paul in his breathless hypnotic flourish right out of the gate in his letter to the Ephesians. Blessed, chosen, embraced, redeemed, included, sealed. It's Paul again on page four of Ephesians. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has generously apportioned it. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. All diverse stones sounding uniquely as we make our way down the roundy well of life as Christ plays in 10,000 places. I think that's actually the line that led me to memorize the entire poem. Christ plays in 10,000 places. First, that Christ plays. That's huge. If, in fact, our identity is rooted in Christ, what a defining strand of our mutual DNA that he plays. If he plays, surely so must we. Second, that he plays in 10,000 places, which is like the psalmist saying that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Christ plays everywhere, in everyone. Everywhere his creative impact is found, especially in the sons and daughters that bear his image as he comes alive, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. There is no conformity or uniformity here, some dreadful and drab sameness of multiplied products rolling off an assembly line. Our faces, our limbs, our eyes, are as diverse as the world within each of us, a world in which he dances and plays and creates with such diversity of expression that still, when all is quite literally said and done, bears the unmistakable signature of his choosing and framing, ere before ever we were even a canvas ready for his imprint. Who am I? Ah. I am the playground of Christ in the wide world. So again, each day we're starting with a message rendering of Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And each day I'm challenging you to read those same lines again out of another translation of your choice. Enter into these rhythms of identity in Jesus and let them enter into you and then pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer. Chosen. What does it mean to you that you are chosen, that he chose you in him before the creation of the world? What does this say about all of our efforts to somehow earn God's favor and choosing and grace? What does this say about our desperate attempts to somehow catch the divine eye as we wistfully hope for even a wink of divine approval? Rather than merely providing you with another philosophical or theological conundrum as you try to fathom the mysteries of predestination, how does knowing that he chose you not only before you were born, but before the first act of creation took place, how does that impact you on a practical level? 
How often do you hear the internal message that we are at best leftovers that he settles for, let alone Jonathan Edwards' image of the spider that he's holding disdainfully over the flames, rather than his first round draft pick? How do we update those inner messages of divine rejection or grudging acceptance with the reality of being his chosen? And how do we keep this from making us arrogant and impossible to live with? Lord, banish those tired old tapes of grudging acceptance, of cringing toleration, of somehow squeaking in by the skin of our teeth or making through the door with the smell of fire on our clothes, just waiting like the speechless man at the banquet not properly attired to be found out and evicted on the spot, cast outside with his weeping and gnashing of teeth with the hypocrites. Chosen in you before the creation of the world, not because we're holy and blameless, but to be holy and blameless. And all of this according to your bursting joy and overflowing pleasure. Yes, banish those tired old tapes with each of their well-worn tracks. And play instead in the 10,000 places of me. Through your spirit, in, with, and upon me. Amen.